Welcome to another episode of the Chillinoy Podcast. To start, I wanted to announce that you don't have a lot of time to enter to win. You don't have much more time, rather, to enter to win free testing kits from Orgo Labs. If you'd like to win, if you want an opportunity to win, make sure to enter before 4.20 p.m. on September 19th. You can enter to win at chillinoy.net slash Orgo. Once again, that's chillinoy.net slash Orgo. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. As you just heard, our website's chillinoy.net. I want to get that drilled into your heads because if social media takes us down, we will still be on our website. That's our backstop. Speaking of social media, you can find us on Twitter, at Chillinois State. You can find us on Instagram, at Chillinois Podcast. It's a good follow. We're always trying to have fun. We're trying to share fun information, good information, etc., and uh, I think that we're going to continue that trend in today's episode. I'm live on Instagram right now. If you follow us on Instagram, you actually get the opportunity to see some of these podcasts recorded live. You get to see how the sauce is made. I'm sitting here looking at the camera, about to smoke some uh, smoke some cannabis, and uh, let's just get right into the show. Today is an easy breezy show. I really just wanted to play some media clips that I've been digesting in my personal life and do a short discussion about them. The first clip I'm going to play for you all is from WCIA, a small news station from downstate Illinois, and they actually did a report on expungements for cannabis. I felt like maybe some of our listeners might be interested in this, so let's play the clip. Thousands in Illinois are eligible to have their criminal records wiped clean. Recreational marijuana was legalized January 1st of 2020, and for hundreds of thousands of people, that meant a chance to clear the slate. Target 3 investigator Renee Cooper is with us now. So, Renee, what's the process of expunging those records? Well, it depends on the record, and really, there are a lot. After the bill was signed in 2019, state officials estimated around 570,000 cannabis offenses would be automatically expunged. But another 119,000 could petition to be pardoned or go through an expungement process. Now, for the people behind these charges, vacating can be a life changer, opening up more access to jobs, higher education, and even places to live. days, Christopher Bradford is doing what he loves, spending his working hours at the stovetop. He's the kitchen manager here at Brunchfield Cafe in Springfield. No, the sky is the limit now. And that's what I plan on doing is reaching to the sky because I don't have this on my back. 20 years ago, he was in Decatur when officers caught him with a personal stash of marijuana. Bradford says guns were present, resulting in several felony charges. Rough trying to get a job, keeping the job. Once they see a class X on your, you know what I'm class X or a felon on your background, employers trying to, you know, mm. When cannabis was legalized, they also took the next step to say, we should actually go back and help the people who have records for things that wouldn't be illegal today. Attorney Susan Zelke represented Bradford. She's currently working on about 150 cases at nonprofit Land of Lincoln Legal Aid. If, you know, you were writing on a job application, have you ever had a felony conviction? Could you not check that box anymore? You can mark that you do not have a felony conviction. Um, it's been expunged. And how big of a deal is that for people? I think it's a huge deal. For Bradford, it was about an eight to nine month process. They say no news is good news, but on certain things, I was like, oh my God. 
gosh. Is it going to happen? He got the letter just a few weeks ago. People don't know that they can do something about their cannabis conviction. And those who do know that something can be done believe the state is just going to take care of it. Even the nearly 600,000 who qualify for automatic expungement could be waiting until 2025. When the state was supposed to start automatically taking care of some of these, they still um, needed to send a notice to the local circuit clerks to get it off the court record. Um, and in some of those cases, that's not happening at all. Bradford is thankful his record is clean and hopes others get their chance too. There's a lot of good people who, I mean, you know, they made mistakes. I mean, we all got to grow. Bradford advises anyone with a cannabis record or other record at all that they have questions about clearing, reach out to Land of Lincoln. Selke says even if you don't know if you're eligible for expungement, make the call. Now I have that contact information and much more of this story for you on our website. That's WCIA.com under the Target 3 tab. Back to you. So I hope that, you know, if you are eligible for expungements, that that information helps you to attain that expungement. Nobody should have their cannabis use held over their head. Nobody's nobody's cannabis use should prevent them from doing whatever they want in in their life, in my opinion. It's something we talked about in our last podcast where we think that you know, state state sanctioned, the right to use cannabis should allot you some privacy uh, via the state. And so, um, obviously, the, one of the main promises that the state made was that they were going to decriminalize cannabis, and as part of that, we're going to they were going to expunge records. So, again, uh, I hope that that information was helpful to any of you that might be eligible for an expungement. Um, I'm going to move on to the next piece of media, which I've been sharing. I I just feel like I got to play this on our show. Um, shout out to CityCast Chicago. If you want to um, go to their website, it's chicago.citycast.fm. Support your local Chilinoians. They've got a really good podcast. Uh, I just found it, actually. Um, it's uh, Chicago's daily news podcast, Fresh every weekday at 6 a.m. So a new episode every weekday at 6 a.m. It's just about a, looks like it's about a 20-minute listen on average, and they recently released an episode on, um, the episode was entitled Trying to Make Cannabis Business Fair in Illinois. And I thought it was a really awesome listen. Um, host J- Jacoby Cochran was joined by our friend Tom Shuba at the Chicago Sun-Times, and in this first clip that I'm going to play for you, they discuss the legislative intent behind Illinois' cannabis law. Illinois promised that Illinois was going to have the most uh, progressive cannabis system in America. And one of the ways they promised that black and brown people would get involved is through the Cannabis Social Equity Program. Can you tell me how was that program supposed to work? The lawmakers who wrote this legislation and the governor, Governor Pritzker, who campaigned on legalizing cannabis, the line was we've drafted the most, quote, equity-centric bill. And the aim was, you know, we have this just overwhelmingly white cannabis industry. And so the idea was, you know, we create this uh, application process where licenses are then prioritized people who are, you know, qualify as so-called social equity applicants. To get these extra points, you had to either live in an area that was deemed disproportionately impacted by past drug enforcement, 
or have a past uh, cannabis offense on your record. This third option, which was hiring a majority of a workforce that kind of checked those boxes. And so if you did those things, you got these extra points that were crucial, that was supposed to make sure that bulk of these licenses were going to these social equity applicants. I thought that discussion was helpful because it's something that we've bounced around on our podcast a time or two. It's good to hear uh, thoughts from a different perspective, in my opinion. Now I want to transition to a discussion that they had on CityCast about who won the licenses and why there are so, why there's so much turmoil in Illinois cannabis. Now that we've had the additional dispensary license lotteries, now that we've given out the licenses for cultivation, for infusion, for transportation, can you tell me who are some of the people who won licenses this time around? It's been a mixed bag. So there have been... Uh, some, you know, some of the big leading equity voices, right, in this fight, like Edie Moore, who just stepped down as the executive director of Chicago Normal. And she did, she played a kind of outsized role in in drafting the legislation with uh, Rep. Sean Ford. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. Did you just say an individual who was helping to draft the new laws then won six licenses them? themselves you can be connected to the process and still get in on the licenses so yeah it, it there's definitely uh you know i think critics would say there's potentially a conflict of interest there but it is how it played out um ricky hendon a former state senator who really kind of became the de facto spokesman for kind of the jilted social equity applicants he was also you know deeply involved in that process he won a license and if you walk into a shop in Chicago, probably in a year from now, you will have a much higher likelihood of being in a black or brown owned shop. At the same time, existing players in the cannabis industry certainly cleaned up. You had the uh, the co-founder of Skinny Pop, the popcorn company, who she sold that her parent company to Hershey for $1.6 billion. She's a, she's a white woman. You have like a famous Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. You have the former police chief and Harvey, a bunch of other cops. Um, I think there will be discussion before the max licensing round about how to better tailor the definition of equity. But at the same time, there's always a loophole. <laughs> oh, there's always yeah. a way to get around it. I was going to ask, I imagine some of those people probably didn't meet the one or the two but maybe the third, because if you if you have a company with over 10 employees and half of them meet one or two, you can still qualify. Do you think that is the the, the social equity uh, rule that many of these head scratches were meeting? The hiring provision had been just lambasted by social equity folks. They called it the slave master clause. It was like, you know, in their sights as like, this is wrong. I had companies reaching out to my friends, people I knew, even myself, to be like, you interested in getting in? Because we're trying to hire as many people as possible. And it felt icky. There, I, I heard many reports about equity scams. You know, hey, give us uh, give us 200 grand and we'll write all your applications with no promise of any success. We've gone through sort of the big celebration of, of we being legalized in Illinois then we went through the kind of minutia of building these systems out, figuring out what the application processes would look like, how many licenses, when we'll get them out, 
Tom, what is all this turmoil around recreational cannabis in our state? What does that say about where we are? It says that, you know, we have a new industry that's going to be worth billions and billions of dollars and people want their share. And if people were, you know, tacitly, you know, promised a chance of that share, they're going to pursue it (laughs) as as, uh, you know, hardcore as they possibly can. You know, we have 110 licensed dispensaries in Illinois. There's 185 licenses hanging in the balance. The size of this industry is going to grow hugely. That's that's a windfall for the state in terms of revenue, but it's also a huge opportunity for the new people getting into it. The war on drugs decimated black and brown communities. It fueled a wave of mass incarceration that maybe this nation has never seen before. And yet, as we are trying to build a more equitable cannabis future, whiteness is still centered in big weed. I think it's easy to say that money is driving that. But is there something else behind that, Tom? It's money. I was talking about this when we went from 55 to 100 dispensaries. In that process, there was like this huge wave of consolidation, right? Big companies buying out dispensaries, new companies trying to gain footholds. Like any other major uh, consumer packaged good, what do those industries look like? You got Coke and Pepsi, and then you got Dr. Pepper, but there's only so many sodas that you see in 7-Eleven. And they probably are all owned by like, two companies. Yeah, and they're probably owned by a couple companies. And I think like, you know, look at, for example, look what's happening with like the seltzers, right? Hard seltzers. That's a big thing, right? And everyone's trying to do a hard seltzer right now. But how that market is going to play out probably is that it's going to be consolidated. So consolidation, right? We've seen consolidation with consumer packaged goods like Tom mentioned in that clip. In fact, Only 10 companies, according to businessinsider.com, this was just a quick Google, only 10 companies control almost every large food and beverage brand in the world. These companies, Nestle, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Danone, General Mills, Kellogg's, Kellogg's, Mars, Associated British Foods, and Mondelez, each employ thousands and make billions of, of dollars in revenue each year. Folks, if you want to see a really interesting um, graphic, just Google or whatever your search engine is. Search up how many companies control the food supply. Um, Like I say, businessinsider.com has an article that was published in 2016, which is admittedly a long time ago. A whole different world, right? But the article includes a graphic which kind of shows the breakdown of, uh, you know, what brands own what. It's really interesting. Like, it's just super interesting. You got to take a look at it. So Coca-Cola basically owns most most drinks, Uh, you know, Kellogg's, Nestle, General Mills. They own most cereals. Um, consolidation is something that is frankly part of business, especially in our culture. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised like Tom Shuba said to see that consolidation occur. We're already seeing it. 
I apologize. I just realized I wasn't really talking into the microphone. Um, we're already seeing consolidation occur. There's a reason that there are only 20 players in the Illinois cannabis industry. There's a reason. Um, and it's going to continue. Like he said, when uh, the dispensary licensing process started to look like it was moving along, you started to see uh, cannabis companies in Illinois take advantage of the fact that they needed to pick secondary site licenses and everything else. It's strategic, right? How do we set ourselves up for consolidation? How do we make ourselves the strongest company in the game? Um, it's business, right? We've also seen it with the media. I mean, in 1983, 90% of the United States media was, according to this quick Google, I, I should say this is from Wikipedia, so I should cite the actual source, but let's just read the number and you guys can do the research, right? In 1983, 90% of U.S. media was controlled by 50 companies. As of 2011, 90% was controlled by just six companies, and in 2017, the number was five. Consolidation, folks. We're going to see it. Um, it's my hope, though, that if we take a See, this is where I don't know. Uh, this is we get right back to the debate of open market versus limited license market. I lean towards open market because everybody gets a chance. Everybody knows what they're getting into. Um, but at the same time, maybe the answer is, and I know a few people have suggested this. I think my friend Vintage Buds on Reddit has suggested maybe the answer is open license approach but you limit the amount of licenses so that they can't get so big that they end up consolidating all the small guys is that the answer I don't know but it sounds like it's close to it and uh, I have to back up just a bit when I say it sounds close to it to what I mean by that is to me it makes sense but I've always I've always uh, been very clear that I am not, I don't understand how economies, I'm not an economist, <laughs> you know, like I don't understand uh, a lot about how the economy works. I don't understand a lot about how life works. I'm trying to make sense of it all, right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is, and what what I'm seeing, and Tom's seeing it too, is that the, the cannabis industry is going to see consolidation in the future. You've seen it when you go into a store, there's only a select there's only a limited selection of products and all of those products are owned by at least 10 companies with the media it's like five companies so what the future looks like I don't know what the answer to this problem is I don't know but I think it's important that we talk about it um, I think something that'll be interesting to, to cap off this podcast with is a discussion about an article that uh, our friend Tom Shuba actually just published on the Chicago Sun-Times. The headline is, Feds issue warnings about diet weed as Illinois lawmakers try again to crack down on hemp derivative. The federal agencies reported this week that 119 people were hospitalized after ingesting products infused with Delta-8 THC over the past year. That's the, that's the headline and subline, I, I guess. Um, 
So the U.S. Food and Drug Administration warned Tuesday that Delta-8 THC is serious health risks, adding that unapproved products containing the popular cannabinoids should be kept away from kids and pets. No shit. Uh, the same day, the U, uh, U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reported that Delta-8 products are often mislabeled and may not be tested for heavy metal solvents or pesticides. You got that right, because that's how the hemp bill works. Uh, Delta-8 is similar to Delta-9 THC, the psychoactive compound and pot that gets users high, though it's extracted from hemp and not cannabis, which, you know, I won't get into that. We've talked about it with the Illinois Hemp, Hemp Growers Association. We won't, we won't get into the mud on that. In recent years, it's spiked in popularity after businesses began exploiting an apparent loophole in the federal farm bill, like I just said, of 2018 that made the distribution of hemp and its byproducts legal. Both federal agencies noted that 119 people were hospitalized after ingesting products infused with the substance in the, la in the past year. Local poison control centers have fielded 661 calls about Delta-8 during the per that period, 39% of which or uh, involved juveniles. Between December and July, the FDA also received adverse event reports for 22 patients who consumed Delta-8 products, including 14 who were hospitalized, 19 who experienced vomiting, hallucinations, trouble standing, and loss of consciousness. The new warnings come as legislators look to crack down on the emerging gray market for substances like Delta-8. Earlier this year, we actually talked about this, State Representative Bob Morgan introduced legislation that would have required products containing Delta-8, CBD, and other cannabinoids to be tested, labeled, much like legal cannabis products in the state of Illinois. Since the bill passed the state house and fell short in the Senate, Morgan said he's returned to the drawing board. Unlike other states that have banned or restricted Delta-8, Morgan noted that he and other lawmakers are merely looking to protect public health while, quote, allowing the state's hemp farmers and small businesses to sell safe products, unquote. In Chicago, Delta-8 is already sold freely in stores and used to infuse foods and drinks at some popular dining establishments. Yeah, I think that if you're going to sell products to a large group of people, that you should be subject to consumer safety standards. On the other hand... I think that people should be able to have private events in far, you know, uh, farmers markets. Um, but let's be honest, the Delta Eight thing. I mean, in my opinion, it's like clearly, from what I've heard, there are companies that are doing it right, and, and applause to the companies that are. Um, we've talked to one that that seems to be doing it right, and props to them, right? But it seems like a lot of people are taking advantage of the uh, loophole, which is the farm bill. And from what I understand, you're not required to test for anything other than THC, which is exactly why um, earlier in the article they said that Delta-8 products are often mislabeled and may not be tested for heavy metals, solvents, or THC. Um you know so in other words pe people that grow hemp uh, CBD or you know create 
in cell delta eight. They're only required by law, by the farm bill, by, <laughs> by the language in the farm bill, from what I understand, to just test to make sure that it doesn't have over 0.03% THC. So I, you know, it, and that's kind of crazy because what the reason if you you can see me thinking on here like uh, I or if you can hear that I'm thinking is that I've also heard the rumor that because Delta Eight is so loosely regulated that sometimes it actually contains like ten percent of THC at times like I don't know that's just an arbitrary number that I'm throwing out there but yeah I don't know what to think about all of this stuff what I will say is that. We should be clear that it's not the Delta 8 that's the problem because Delta 8 has actually been sold in Illinois cannabis dispensaries. I mean, I saw it on sale a few years ago. I didn't buy it because I didn't, I, I was just like, whatever, you know, I'm, <laughs> I didn't, it didn't interest me. Um, but I think it kind of caught on because it could just be sold at any store, right? And it, I've tried it before. It gets you high. <laughs> it gets you high for sure. Um, but like a person in the in my Instagram live is saying, Delta cart, Delta eight carts will mess your lungs up. It's the acetate they put in it. I don't know if that's. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying I don't know that it's for a fact true. But what I will say is that uh, most Delta eight cartridges that I've tried have made me cough like a little bitch. So. Let me just put it that way. So yeah, what do you what do you guys think about this this Delta Eight crackdown that seems to be on the horizon? Um, I think that at the end of the day, I I think if the proposal comes out to being what Bob Morgan says it is, or at least what this article says he says it is, um, which is like. Hey, if you want to sell Delta 8 in the state of Illinois, then you got to get it tested for residual solvents, heavy metals, uh, potency, etc. In other words, you're going to be subject to the same standards as cannabis producers. But if we're willing to bend that far, let me ask you, why can't we bend that far with uh, just cannabis licensing in general, right? If you want to sell a product, it's got to meet standards and got to be licensed and uh why are we getting in the way of people selling product you know if it's because here's the thing here's the thing when you get in the way when you get in the way and you try to make it illegal we've already figured this out this is why we quote we apparently we legalize cannabis like prohibition doesn't work it just doesn't work and if you hold people back they're going to find a way and that's why you see the gray market doing as well as it is in the state of Illinois. So, I don't know. What do you guys think? Go to chillinois.net slash contact and uh, send us something in. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll talk about it on the podcast. Once again, this podcast today, I mean, it was even... I had no plan for today. I just watched a few clips, made sure I had them recorded, and I just got on here to burn some time. So, I hope that you found some value in the podcast. Um, I apologize for not talking into the mic for maybe like four minutes of this show. Again, this is just like a, an air shift for me. I'm just having fun, right? I don't ever get to have fun on this podcast. No, I'm joking. This podcast is always fun. 
Um, all right. Uh, well, cheers, everybody. It's Saturday. I think I'm leaving the great state of Illinois today. Going to parts unknown. <clears throat> so wish me luck. And give me a follow on social media. We're on Illinois. We're on Instagram at Illinois Podcast. We're live right now, live and direct. We're also on Twitter at Illinois State. You can find our website, Illinois.net. And stay tuned, folks. We've got some really exciting podcasts coming up. We've got big names out of Illinois cannabis. We've got big names out of cannabis. I mean, Tommy Chong is coming back to the Illinois Podcast, so stay tuned for that. We're going to be sitting down with Cathartic Output, a local Chilinoian, a great, just a fucking stellar independent artist right right out of the state of Chilinois. Um, Chicago-based, I do believe. Check him out on Spotify and stay tuned for our episode with them. I hope you all have a great Saturday. I appreciate the fuck out of all you. And uh, stay tuned for new things coming from the Chilinois podcast. I'll just put it that way. We want to try to do other things. Like, we, I've been saying that for a while. It's its tough, you know. I am doing a grow journal right now. Stay tuned for that. It takes time to do a grow journal, though. It takes time. I'm doing it from seed to harvest. We'll see how it comes out. So far, so good. The plants are happy. Um, if you want to see some glimpses, I've probably posted some pictures of the seedlings on my instagram so at Illinois podcast and stay tuned for that you know if you want to learn how to grow i'm not guaranteeing you that uh i'm going to teach you how to grow because you know different variables there are so many variables that go into growing um, i'm not saying that it's super complicated but i'm just not guaranteeing you that if you watch my grow journal that you're going to come out of it growing great weed because i don't even think that i grow great weed i grow i grow pretty awesome weed i mean i'll i'll say that but like a lot better than i thought i would i was fucking i thought i was too stupid to do this so if any of you out there think that you're too stupid to do it it's really not that hard the shit grows in a ditch as my mentor uh once told me he said cole stop overcomplicating it that shit grows in a ditch okay you can do it (laughs) you can do it so if you didn't learn something today i hope i inspired you it's another episode of the chillinoy podcast uh we'll be dropping another one on monday i think so happy saturday and take care